What's happening, fellow Zeros? Thank you so much for tuning into Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that's getting the pig. I'm your host, Joe, and I brought along two other retired agents. Are we extremely dangerous? We'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) To talk to you about the movie Red, we've got Corey. The podcast that remembers the Secret Service being tougher. And sequel. The podcast that's been given daily doses of LSD for 11 years. (laughs) I really like that bag. (laughs) I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, And Matt got his in right under the wire a couple hours ago. The podcast that thought they were the subject of a secret government mind control project. First of all, elephant in the room, or not in the room, because there's so few of us here. (laughs) Frank was fired. Out of a cannon. <laughs> oh! He's searching the country, trying to find our next unpaid intern. So if you see him flying above you, just yell, Fan Forstick sucks, and he'll know who to stop for. It will also give him the hot air he needs to fly to his next target. Also true. <laughs> he thinks the search is going to take, like, a couple months, so... We, we gave him, a, we gave him a, a tablet with, like, the movies on it and Wi-Fi connection, so hopefully he'll be able to stay in touch with us and... Hopefully that works. And Matt's not here tonight because he had to, you know, like, he wanted to light the fuse on the cannon. <laughs> it's always been his dream. Yeah, yeah. a cannon blast could reach the Ukraine. It's Isn't probably like a series of cannons. I, I, I'm not behind like the logistics Kong? of this, yes. Or Mario 64. Barrel to barrel to barrel. No, it's not a series of cannons. He gets shot out of one cannon and just bounces off of huge trampolines. Oh, that's better. A series that's of trampolines. Better. That's also safer for Frank, I think. Trampolines in the Atlantic Ocean. Yep, because they're floating there. <laughs> buoy, 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 giant trampoline. <laughs> buoy. <laughs> and also, I'm sick, so sorry about my voice. Okay, that covers that. Let's get into what we've been watching this week. Hey, sequel, what have you been watching? The latest Rick and Morty was deep. I have not seen it yet. Easily my favorite episode. It's not the toxic one, right? No. Okay. It's not the toxic one. Because that one sucked. It's Mistake at Rick Glantis, something along those lines, but they, not really major spoilers, they go back to the Citadel of Ricks to find out what's been going on in the meantime. It's not exactly funny, but there's a lot of cool references, and they're they're trying this overarching story that's like really interesting, and there's kind of a twist at the end, but you can probably see it coming Hmm. from a mile away, but it's good. I really hope they keep up with it, but knowing them, they probably won't touch on again for like season seven. So, <laughs> can't wait to see it. Was that it? That's it. And football, a lot of football. College pro, as well. You should. It's the mm-hmm. season. Hey, Corey, your turn. I also watched a, it's a pretty good amount of football. Uh, Sunday was kind of dead to me. I didn't watch much Sunday day games. I watched the Sunday night game. That's then, week one. For you listeners. Yep. So I watched both Monday night games last night. I was going to turn um, the second game off at like 10, 12 minutes left in the fourth, and it got interesting. I was like, why? Why did you have to make this interesting? I wanted to go to bed. So I am tired. Uh, But I also, the reason that Sunday was kind of out for me to watch all those games was because I saw the new It movie on Sunday. And It... (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, it's going to get a little confusing here. It was very, very good. Cinematically, you feel like you're in the 80s. It feels right. It feels real in a lot of fundamental ways, but it's not scary. If you don't want to go see it because you don't want to be scared, 
overcome it because you're really not going to be scared. There's like one or two jump scares that they showed you in the preview, so you should be ready for it. And I'm never ready for jump scares. But you know it's happening. I don't. Okay. But the biggest issue I came across was that I felt that Pennywise was used more as a prop than as a character. So he doesn't have as many lines. So he doesn't he doesn't come across as like an actual entity that's coming after you, which kind of bothered me some. I did watch some videos about it, mm-hmm. spoiler-free reviews, and um, the director said they shot a Pennywise origin scene. They will probably use it in It Chapter 2. Yes, I, I didn't watch the spoiler-free ones because I'd already seen the movie, right. but that's what everybody's been saying. Is like They have the footage of the Pennywise origin scene, which is going to be an awesome scene if they, if they put it in. They've also already talked about what they're going to change from the book. Mike Hanlon's character in the book is just... A guy that stays in Darien becomes a librarian. It's not going to be that clean cut for him. So it's going to be really cool to see how they um, translate it. I mean, really, I think the big challenge is making sure that the adult movie keeps up with the kid side of it. Because that's where where the problem comes with the original 1990s miniseries. Is that the kid side is so much better than the adult side. So, I'm hopefully optimistic. Bill Skarsgård played... It great. A lot of his motions weren't just a monster walking. It almost looked more like a um, a puppet. He did a lot of like these really weird puppety motions, which were really creepy. They were super cool and creepy. But again, I just wanted more. More it. Yeah. You wanted more of it. I wanted a little more. It. A little more of it. Um, just more lines. I just wish he had spoken more. He only has like two real like speeches throughout the whole movie, and we see one of them. In, like, all of the previews that they put forward. Sewer scene. The sewer scene. That's my commentary on it. Stone-wise, I think he gets uh, five stones. What have you been watching, Joe? I've been watching quite a few things. I watched three different movies this week. Ooh. I watched the movie Airplane. I've never seen it before. Very funny. I thought it was okay. Like, watching it, I understand how it's funny, but some, a lot of it has aged to the point where, like, I've seen a lot of it done before, so seeing it as late as I did... I still love the autopilot. That's my favorite part of that movie. It's fantastic. I also watched The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is the Ben Stiller... How was it? It was okay. I was told it was going to be like a very uplifting, inspiring story, and I thought it was okay. There's a really cool skateboard scene in it, which I didn't see coming at all, but that was really fun to watch. I had to read a book in an English class in high school. I didn't know there was a book, although that makes a lot of sense. And also, finally, I watched the movie Eurotrip, because that movie's great. I haven't seen it in a whole bunch of years, so I watched it. And parts of it still got me, so... I really want to go home and watch Eurotrip now. You should. God damn it. Or do it tomorrow, because you're tired. Yeah. You still have to watch Man vs. Snake. I do. And The Room. The Room. <laughs> I'm going to write them on, like, post-it notes and, like, attach them to the television, so that I can't, like, actually see what I put on <laughs> until I, like, take them off. Is this the room? No, keep going. <laughs> is this Man vs. Snake? And, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we've been watching. Let's get into our movie facts for Red. Red, that's the entire title of the movie. Love it. Made in 2010, it's rated PG-13, and it's one hour and 51 minutes long. Its director's name is Robert Schwenke, or Schwenk, I don't really know. He directed The Family Jewels, Flight Plan, The Time Traveler's Wife, R.I.P.D., Insurgent and Allegiant. 
Ooh, that's a pretty bad resume. <laughs> I actually haven't seen any of those movies yet. Flight Plan's awful. The, the last three have at least action in them. True. Allegiant, and I, I don't know, my wife read the books and went to see one of the movies and like it. I've only which, seen the first one. Which one is that? The Allegiant or Insurgent? What's Divergent. The, is Divergent the first series, one. okay. Matt just died a little bit hearing this. Yeah. Yeah, he hates those, right? He yeah. hates Divergent. I don't think he's seen the other two. I haven't either. Anyway, so that's his resume. The movie stars Bruce Willis, Morgan Freeman, John Malkovich, Helen Mirren, Carl Urban, Mary Louise Parker, Rebecca Pigeon, Brian Cox, and Richard Dreyfus. NFLer? Brian Cox? No, uh, William Stryker, Brian Cox. Oh, okay. Close, though. <laughs> so close. The budget for the movie was $58 million, surprisingly low. And the gross for the movie was $199 million. $90 million of that was domestic. So it did pretty well considering the budget. We made a sequel. Yeah, also that. <laughs> the scores for the movie are actually pretty close together. I was surprised. Rotten Tomatoes give this movie a 70%. Certified fresh? Just barely. <laughs> Just makes the cut. The audience on Rotten Tomatoes give it a 72%. IMDb has this movie at 7.1 out of 10. Metacritic has a 60 User score on Metacritic is a 6.9. Right in line, right? Metacritic's a little low. So but close. Then you got 69, yeah. 70, 71, and 72. So. Yeah. It's incredible. Mm. Critics agree. This movie is kind of good. good. This, <laughs> this movie gets a safe. But do we agree? Uh, Stay it. tuned to find out. I'm going to take a sip of water. Can you leave that in? What are you saying? I'm going to take a sip of water. <laughs> Can I also leave you asking me to leave it in? <laughs> yes. Thanks for our decisions. <laughs> yeah, Frank's not here. Yeah, nobody's going to tell you to edit that out. That's all I have for the movie facts for Red, so let's give you our general thoughts of the movie. I'll go first, because I'm the only one who hasn't gone first yet. Hey. And we got a small crowd tonight. Um, I think this movie is pretty good. I wasn't blown away by it. The acting is good. I en- enjoyed it. I thought the casting was pretty well done. It does a couple of things and that I don't like when movies do, not specific to this movie, just in general. We'll touch on that later. And, yeah, so those are my general thoughts of Red. It's pretty good. Hey, Corey, what'd you think? I think it's entertaining. At no point in the movie am I like, is it over yet? At no point in the movie am I stopping and being like, man, that was dumb. Like, it was just, it's just entertaining. It doesn't blow me, it didn't blow me away by any means. But you're right, it's well acted, and I think that's akin to the fact that they all have good, seasoned actors playing their roles. Keyword is seasoned. Yep. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) As the title implies, I suppose. There are definitely some problems with it, but nothing that makes me stop and want to shut it off and, like, rage quit by any means. The sequel, round us out. This movie's not bad. It's not great. It's, like, right in the middle I think the target demographic for this movie were adults from, like, 40 to 70. I could totally see my parents going on, like, a Saturday afternoon to the movie theater, watching this and coming home and really enjoying it. You don't want to go at night. It's expensive at night. Exactly. You want to hit that... A matinee. A matinee. The nice sweet spot where it's, you know... It's not too crowded. Yep. But you also don't want to, like, see the first showing because you still have to cut the lawn and and go grocery shopping. Right. You maybe get a slice of pizza after. Yeah, of course. Like that. Nice. Yeah, it's it does a good job tone wise. Like it's somewhat serious and somewhat funny, but it's not a comedy, and it's not really. I think it's actually billed as a comedy. Yeah, it's not, but it's not like a laugh. Oh my god, side splitting humor oh, yeah, type no. comedy. 
it's like subtle humor. It's uh, well, it's it's a movie. <laughs> Good at not taking itself seriously, the way yes. the Kingsman did, but more leaning towards the comedy, where they're trying to lean into the fact that they're not taking themselves too seriously. There's two movies I would compare it to that are totally different tone wise on different ends of the spectrum. Um, Equalizer, Denzel Washington. Oh yeah, that's a good movie. It's a retired guy that comes back. I guess he was CIA. He was some sort of agent. I thought he was just like a mob hitman that got turned by the CIA and started working for him. He was definitely the government. He was definitely just a straight government agent. Okay. And uh, that's that's a pretty serious role. A lot of action. It was a very good movie. I love that movie. Then there's a movie called The Crew with um, Richard Dreyfuss and uh, Burt Reynolds. They're about retired uh, mobsters that actually live in a retirement home that come back to, like, you know, get back in the game. That one's total comedy. So I thought this one was, like, right in the middle of those two. Hmm. Okay, fair. Split the difference. Yes. And those are our general thoughts. From here on out, we're going to be spoiling the movie Red. If you haven't seen it and you don't want to know what happens, you've been warned. Let's do this thing. I am actually wanted to talk about something that we don't talk about very often, but sequel brought up a couple weeks ago that I think is very important with this movie is the score of the movie as far as the music. Early on, when Bruce Willis is just in the empty house by himself and he's calling the pension hotline, the music is reminiscent of any just kind of light-hearted comedy. It, it reminded me of the background music of Home Alone. Like, just, like, the things that, like, the ambient sound that are, ha- like, ambient sounds that are happening early in Home Alone. Just, like, light noises, kind of bright. And then when it, once it gets serious, it goes into, like, the action sequence tone. I thought that, that they did a really good job at letting the music kind of dictate the way that we should be feeling in the scenes. I feel, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like there's a lot of, like, elevator feeling music in this movie. Yeah, for sure. I, the music really didn't stand out to me that much. I could, I could see... I would have to watch it again, mm. but it, it, didn't, it didn't really stick out. Even just the first ten minutes. Just when he's like... Because you, you're listening to it, and it doesn't sound like it's going to be an action movie. No, it looks like he's... You know, yeah, there's no tension building. It's just... Yeah. yeah it's like home. Groundhog Day. Yep. Groundhog, <laughs> Groundhog Day. Home Alone is a good comparison yeah. to yeah. the first part of that movie. People getting ready for Christmas. I don't know why you would pick Ohio to retire to... Because nothing happens in Ohio. Inconspicuous. Yeah. It's cold, man. The catacomb happens in Ohio. The catacomb does happen in Ohio. <laughs> Can't wait to go. Just a few months away. If you're listening and you're going to a catacomb, I will be wearing a Zero Talking Hero shirt. You can't miss me. You can't? That puts the man bone. Yeah, that'll help. Did you buy Bruce Willis as a retired guy? Because I didn't. It looked like he was the guy that like retired fairly recently. He hasn't been retired for years. Definitely, because of the pension checks, you could tell he was uh, retired recently. Yeah. But I wanted there to be an explanation of why he, like, was retired. Mm -hmm. Like, he didn't choose to be retired, maybe he was, like, forced out. But the explanation we got is he got old. Yeah. I I, I didn't really buy that. It's a really shitty explanation, considering how effective he clearly still is. I mean, for Christ's sakes, him and four other... Retirees, one of which has stage four liver cancer, managed to pull off the kidnapping and assassination of the vice president. That takes some fucking gall and skill. So I, so I don't know. some ageism in the CIA. Yeah. So like, once you hit that threshold age, you're out. That's it. We don't want you. Once you hit your, although I don't, 
buying Bruce Willis is like 65 in this movie. I don't, I don't think I do. He's like ageless to me when she started shaving his head. Yes. Yes. I have no idea how old Bruce Willis is at all right now. Probably in his 50s, I would imagine, <laughs> right? So that sounds right. We could look that up. But that's the other thing, right? Like, it, when it comes to CIA agents, you're not retiring at 65. Also true. You know, like, they're, they're like NFL running backs. If they make it to like 40, <laughs> you know. No running backs, maybe. No, no running backs make it to 40. They're like NFL quarterbacks. If they make it to 40, yeah. they've done well for themselves. Yeah. That's fair. Running backs, I guess it's more like 33. 33, probably like max. Yeah. That's 10 years in the league. Give me a lot of sports references so, over the next so couple of months. sports references. This, totally. is the, this is the crew for that. 62, Bruce Willis is. Oh my god. He looks so much younger than 62. So when he made this movie, he was 55. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a movie I saw him in like recently that he starred in. Where I could be like, that's 62 year old well, Bruce Willis? What about movies just after this, right? But didn't Live Free or Die Hard come out after 2010? I want to say yes. I want to say yes also, but... I like how we're just going to rotate using our smartphones. <laughs> Everyone's going to put theirs away, and then the next person in line is going to take it out. <laughs> it's true. No, holy shit, oh, no. three years before this. Wow. Really? Yeah, 2007. Oh, right. so what was after this, since you already oh. have it open? I'm going to have to go to IMDb, actually. <laughs> I, try, I think there was a Halle Berry movie with him after 2010. He's like the boss, but he's like a murderer. That sounds weird. It is weird. Glass in 2019. I've never even heard of it. 2019. Oh, yeah. It hasn't happened yet. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having a rough day, guys. <laughs> I'm really tired. Uh, Acts of Violence is coming out this year at some point, or it just came out. I don't know. First Kill 2017. He's got a ton of shit he's doing in 2017. My God. Acts of Violence, Death Wish, First Kill, Once Upon a Time in Venice, Reprisal, Marauders. All right, A Good Day to Die Hard came out in 2013. That's probably mm-hmm. the one we were thinking of. Okay, I didn't see Split. Or Red 2. <laughs> I didn't see Split. Looper. That's right. That was a good one. Yeah. I didn't see Split, but apparently he's in it. Yeah, but he's like uncredited, so it's probably not a very big role. Well, I mean, I think he's playing his character from... Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Is he? Yeah. I don't know. He's in The Expendables 2. Oh, yeah. Like, number two or also? Number two. <laughs> a Dame to Kill for. Sin City 2. Yeah, Sin City 2. Thanks for tuning into our podcast where we list Bruce Willis movies. <laughs> Extraction. I feel like we should move on from this. <laughs> I think we should start a new podcast of just sitting in a circle naming Bruce Willis movies. Favorite show. <laughs> or every week we just pick an actor and name their movies. That could happen. <laughs> Bonus project. So what did you guys think of uh, John Malkovich in this movie? Funny. I like John Malkovich. Very out there actor. He is. He's a, he's a character actor. He really knows how to play crazy and eccentric. And he plays such a pivotal role. Like, he fills a role that needed to be filled in this cluster of people, right? So, like, Bruce Willis is the consummate professional, really good at his job. Heather Miram is, like, the you're not expecting her to be as good as she is, like... Or in the movie. <laughs> that, too, but, like... I'll touch on that in a minute. <laughs> Morgan Freeman is the guy that's kind of on the fringe. Like, he doesn't want to do it, he's but... He's Bosley. Yeah, but he's going to do it because, you know, he's put in the situation. And then there's the guy who has crazy conspiracy theories after quitting the government. And you need that in this, and he does it really well. He's the funniest character in the movie by far. Yeah, easily. Definitely. Also, um, all the characters you just named, they're all old, or they look old. That's yeah. why Bruce Willis doesn't really fit to me. I couldn't really get past that. Yeah. Although it helps with the with the relationship with Mary Louise Parker, yes, that, that 
if he looked like John Malkovich does and they started dating in this movie, I'd I'd be like, this is you're robbing the cradle, yeah. or she's robbing the grave. It, it's. <laughs> I still thought that was a little bit of a strange. It was weird relationship to begin with. Not like, even just the age, just the dynamic. Yeah. yeah, how it starts and the whole phone aspect ripped up his checks on purpose and. So that part I'm okay with. The fact that he basically kidnapped her and everything turned out all right. Kind of a ripoff of uh, Night of the Roxbury. <laughs> Got oh, it. But yeah, the, uh, this, oh, what is it? Who does he call? The inspector? The credit card. The credit, um, yeah, the cre- yeah. credit vixen. Credit vixen. Oh, yes, right? <laughs> That's exactly oh what my I thought God. when I saw this one. Yeah, we're going I want to watch the Night of the Roxbury now. We should. Yeah. Well, see you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back in a half hour. That movie is longer than that. <laughs> 90 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, but for them, we only need to leave in 30 minutes of dead air. They'll be alright. Back to uh, John Malkovich. Mm-hmm. I love him in Rounders. I think that's my favorite John Malkovich role. He is very convincing and odd in Rounders, yeah. And being John Malkovich. Ironically. <laughs> it's a weird movie, man. It's a dark horse. It's <laughs> it really is a strange movie. It really is. So uh, you guys oh. want to know who was supposed to be? Uh, what's his name, Marvin? Before John Malkovich came along? Yeah. I'm going to guess. Okay. Steve Buscemi. No. Do you care to guess? Think more comedic. More comedic? I'll give you a hint since he already blew his load too early. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the first time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. True confessions. <laughs> Drew Carey. Drew Carey. You chance. All right, anyway, I'm just going to tell you. Yeah, go for it. John C. Riley. See, that would have made so much less sense to me. He's so much not, younger. Yeah, not old enough. Yeah. yeah. Like, not old... To the point where... Literally, definitely after this movie, he played a 30-year-old who still lives with his dad. Is he really only 30 in Step Brothers? Yes, they're yeah, both 30. they're both 30. Wow. I think 32 is what they say. They're <laughs> in their 30s. That's incredible. Ah, oh, man, I love Step Brothers. <laughs> okay, we're going to have a marathon at the Roxbury, and then Step Brothers, and then that other movie we said. Great. The Room? Sure. Yeah. The Room. The room first, the court of the policy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't, I, even if they dressed him up as really old with, like, prosthetics and, a, like, I don't see that working. He would have been funny still, but not as good as John Malkovich. Now, granted, he did age seven years. He did look pretty convincing as an old World War II vet in Kong Skull Island. He did. But he was aged appropriately, like, to how old he actually is, as mm-hmm. opposed to... I guess that's true. I wouldn't have bought it if it was Riley in this movie. No. That's fair. I think it may have been... Some of the jokes may have landed a little better, but I don't think that... The other side of the character definitely wouldn't have worked for me. I think they would have been written different if it was John C. Riley versus John Malkovich. So we don't really know. But, like, you definitely don't see John C. Riley accidentally falling behind with the pig, pulling out a monster gun, and taking some random passerby behind... Like, a narrow, like, corridor to, like, kill her because she's carrying a camera and following him. Yep. And then you'll get to write in the fact that he's all angry because he called her old. He, she called him old. Yep. Old man. Can I kill her now? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, like, even that scene, like, the, the way that Malkovich was able to just kind of switch from being kind of loony. To lucid. To completely to, with to, it. Yeah, yeah. And really good at what he had to do. Yeah, you couldn't tell if he was crazy or right. At the time, especially when he picks up that lady, so she's been following us with the camera. I'm like, and they're like, I was pretty sure he was right. I was pretty sure she was going to turn out to be following them when that happened. I was like, wow, (laughs) I called it. 
And then he has that perfect shot with the, uh... Oh, my God. The RPG. He shoots the RPG with the... Yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. I do want to go back and see if that made any of the Mythbusters movie myths episode, because that would have been cool. Maybe. They, I feel like it's not 100% plausible. I mean, that's so, gotta be an accurate shot. That would be contained and also only explode behind where the rocket came from. <laughs> the timing of it all. Yeah. Yeah. But it was impressive. It was, it was a fun thing to watch. Yeah. That's for sure. Pretty predictable, though. Yeah. It was building up to it. It was also one of the only times where they were super good with firearms, though. I thought that they were fairly unimpressive with guns throughout the course they of the were pretty. Movie. I thought they were pretty good. Helen Mirren's great. Yeah, she's great. But she the doesn't use that many they're people. They're dead accurate. Well, she was doing cover fire for a lot of it. I, you know, I guess that's a fair point. Because that was the only thing that jumped out at me when they were where my line came from. <laughs> and they were saying, I remember the Secret Service being tougher. I was like, you took out none of them. Like, you didn't hit one Secret Service agent. I guess the plan was but just... They didn't hit them, except the one. Yeah. But, like, they it was... Stormtrooper aim. Everyone has Stormtrooper aim in that scene. Apparently. Well, I guess the, the the argument would be that they weren't necessarily trying to kill Secret Service agents. They were just trying to push them. Also that. Yeah. But, you know, also in theory, if you're planning on killing the VP anyways, the Secret Service agents don't mind. You want to take out at least a couple. So you start to, like... like I don't think they were ever really planning down. to kill the vice president. Vice, but that's... I almost said vice principal. <laughs> I don't think that was actually their plan. I think that's just what they told... What was his name? Hobbs? Dobbs? What the hell's his name? Carl Urban's character? Was I never know his name. Cooper? Cooper! <laughs> there it is. I don't know why. I got sidetracked. I had really more fun thinking that he was like a nameless agent. So I never bothered to know his name. Oh. I kept thinking of Star Trek when I saw him. I'm like, that's Bones. <laughs> he leaves the scene, comes back, it's Bones! <laughs> <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a physicist. <laughs> I'm a doctor, not a CIA agent. Uh, I thought his damn first, it Miranda <laughs> I thought his first scene was awesome when he's like sitting there on like the bluetooth he's a badass having the conversation with his wife I thought that scene was brilliant he's planning the evidence he walks out I was shocked he was CIA I thought he was like a pirate assassin or something yeah you know? like he, I mean essentially it is just he's government sanctioned right but I thought it was like a but you didn't yeah yeah not a guy that has a desk in the office you know what I mean mm-hmm. at like the headquarters I thought the same thing. He's the eraser. Yeah. And he's... I guess he's not really the antagonist, right? He doesn't have to be. Yeah. Although... Because I thought when, when... You know, the movie leads you to believe early on that he is the main antagonist. I thought, oh my god, that's pretty... That's a miscast. I can't see him as a uh, evil character, but, you know, turns out... If they had written it, like, towards that, I, I think he would have been able to pull it off. So I think he's actually really good in this movie. The, the same scene I'm talking about, that opening scene where he's having the completely coherent, rational conversation with his wife about his son getting in trouble at school or whatever. Right. Hangs up the phone. Hangs up the phone after saying that he has to pick up 2% milk, which, again, I thought was a really fun line. And then he says, of course I know who you are, and he kicks the chair out from underneath. Right. That leads you to believe he's just going to be a straight bad guy. Just well, like he's that. completely detached from that, and he's just like a... Basically a psychopath. Yeah. Yes. He was a double life, and that would have worked. I would Okay. Yeah. I can see Had that. they gone that direction, that would have worked. However, the direction it did go, I don't like. 
Because the real villain was someone we barely saw any of in the movie. Yeah, they introduced I don't the villain like in that. the third act. Well, I don't know if that's... two main characters in the third act. You can make that argument. Are we talking about Helen Mirren? Yes. I hate that. I hate that she started being in the movie late. Like an hour, and over an hour into the movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, she's supposed to be one of the main crew members and you just introduce her so late. I hate that. They do, they kind of drag their feet building up the team. So like... Because really he runs, he runs to Kansas City to grab her because that's what's most important. The you know woman he's never actually met before, but you know he likes her, so fine. And then he just swings by a retirement home to see our pervy old Morgan Freeman, his old mentor. Yep. And then he gets to a point where he needs to he needs to recruit more help, so he meets John Malkovich, or he gets John Malkovich's help. And they have a lot of scenes, just the three of them. Yeah, just the three of them. Well, they could be... A good amount of action sequences, too. Yeah, that would have been fine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how true to the source material it is to get that entire... It's a very it. short run of comics, so apparently, like, the movie already covers more than the comics did, according to what I've read. I'm not a big... I, I consider these types of movies getting the band back together type movies. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest fan of that. Where we're gonna go here and get this guy, then we gotta go here and get this guy, then we're gonna go here and get this guy. I like it sometimes when it's abbreviated. Or if it's a Bill and Ted movie. Well, granted. Because that's definitely what they do right. in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. But they were never a team before. Right, and those true. Those characters, yeah. Like Blues Brothers, I guess, is a classic getting mm-hmm. the band back together type movie. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just not, a, that's just not my cup of tea. It's. It took a long time. And this movie is a lot of going from one place to another place to another place to another place. It got old after a while. That's fair. I just thought of like something that ties it together. That's a lot of heist movies. Yeah. Getting the the crew back together for one last job. Gone to 60 seconds. Yeah. Ocean's 11. But again, those movies, it happens in the first half. Right? It happens in, usually in yeah, the first half Yeah, they don't keep hour. introducing people. Right. This kind of spreads it out. Or, like, if they're going to introduce one a little later on, it's one person who pulls off one little, like, trick and then goes back away. Which would have just been fine if the ru- like the Russian comes out of the elevator, pops the butt, like, pushes the pen down, blows up the limo, walks away. That's, like, that's the person you introduce in the third act. Just as a guy, like, who's, like, secondary kind of overall, like, you see him, he goes away, you don't think he's going to be a matter anymore, and then... He's, like, the one that, like, saves the whole mission. But instead, you meet the Russian before you meet Heather Mirren's character. I would have had less of a problem with it if they at least mentioned Helen Mirren's character at all. They don't. They don't, and then all of a sudden it's like, I'm not going in there. Yeah. She'll tear us apart. It's like, who the hell are you talking about? You haven't mentioned anyone else you used to work with. And then she turns out to not be even the least bit aggressive towards any of them. So what is Malkovich's big issue there? Well, he is kind of weird. That's true. And she can see him coming a mile away. She had like an Uzi underneath yeah. the doily. Are you, here, are you here to kill me? <laughs> no. Okay. Well then. <laughs> then like, so it turns out that Richard Dreyfuss's character is the big bad of the movie. And we saw for five minutes right. previously. And, it, and anyone else get a major Dick Cheney vibe from his character? <laughs> you think that's what they're going for? It's ironic, because the whole time he's trying to patsy the vice president. <laughs> but he's saying, like, I made this guy, like, I'm grooming this guy to be president, I'm getting sick of it, you know. 
Because exactly what Dick Cheney did. <laughs> I, I just thought that I made that connection. That's a fun connection, actually. I didn't think about it. What did everybody think of the actual logistics of the final plan at the the dinner or the gala or whatever? Did everybody thought, think that that was well laid out? It was reasonably well laid out. Mm-hmm. It was very intricate, more than I was expecting. I think it was just intricate enough. Where it's not, like, so Oceans, the Oceans movie, because we just touched on them, the intricacies and the things that you miss are what's really the most important thing. Yeah, and they explain it to you after, after the fact. fact. There's not a lot in this you miss. No, there isn't, but that's good. Like, it's it's all right there, but there's enough moving pieces where you ha- you are enthralled, like, you actually really feel like you have to pay attention. The minute that Malkovich is in, like, two different spots... Where he like walks through with the um, the chef's stuff on, pushing the food, and then shows up upstairs in the other outfit. Mm-hmm. That's when you knew you had to like make sure you're watching. So, I, I prefer the uh, infiltration of the CIA headquarters. That scene better. I like that plan. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was good, and it also led to that Cooper versus Frank fight in his office, which was the best part of the movie to me. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great fight scene. That is a it great is fight. a really good fight scene. Yeah. <laughs> I just like how Cooper's... Because Cooper's reaction was actually mine when it happened the first time I saw it. I was like, bad move, dude. <laughs> like, that's a ballsy move to walk into the office of the guy who's actively trying to kill you. Without the, like, intent to just have the gun drawn and blow his fucking brains out right over his desk. Like, if you're going to go in there... Either you need to go in there just to blow his brains out and walk away, or at least have a gun trained on him and be like, we're going to have a chat. Like, those are the two ways those things usually go. And instead, he just hangs the jacket up and gets into a fucking brawl. The improvised weapons were cool at the table. Like, pushing the table, like the glass table up and then yes. kicking through yeah. it. And then walking through it like a doorway. It's a very well done scene. Yeah. I say, do we know who like choreographed any of the action sequences? No idea. A lot of the never even talk about it. Are, are good though. I mean, a part that stuck out to me um, when he gets out of the police car and it's swerving and it like just misses him. Oh, and I he's walking that. slowly. It looks so badass. I'm like, yeah. wow. I enjoyed that. I think that was the turnaround moment where, like, if this movie was, I wasn't sure if I was going to really like it or dislike it. The minute that he like just like spins the car out, opens the door, and walks out of it, it's like okay. You, you got me. Yeah. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. I'm gonna... I think I'm gonna like the rest of this. Did you like the opening sequence with him uh, putting the bullets on the uh, frying pan? Then... I like him murking all those guys that came into his house. That was cool. Yeah. He, he John Wicked it. Yeah, that, that, did. that whole thing was John Wicked. To the point where he had a sledge... in the basement. Yeah, yeah. a sledgehammer to the concrete in the basement and everything. I question the timing of all that. Like, he put the bullets on, then he went down, got his sledgehammer, and he got all of his stuff exactly as the bullets were about to, like, pop. Magic of cinema. Exactly. Also, that's in a residential neighborhood. Yep. They showed zero restraint. They were just opening fire with machine guns onto a house on a street. Yeah. I was like, this is... What? (laughs) I think... It's a missed opportunity for, like, some comedic... for For some comedy, right? Where, like... At some point, he, like, gets a notification on his phone, and it's, like, the local newspaper. Like, he gets, like, the newspaper digitally, like, delivered or something. I guess it's He's retired. He doesn't understand these things. That's true. But, like, at some point, he maybe grabs, like, a New York Times when he's in New York, and it's, like, a weird thing. Or, uh, MIB tabloids. 
There it is. Mm-hmm. The MIB tabloids. SEAL Team 6 destroys house in small town, small town Ohio. Like, that would have been a that cool moment. Been, that would have been a fun callback. Yeah. Missed opportunity there. They didn't have the time. Or just have it on the news in the background. Yeah. On a TV somewhere. In, like, Cooper's office. That yeah. would have been funny. <laughs> My guys did that. <laughs> Man, they really suck at saying quiet. I said covert ops. That's the thing, right? Like, he, they didn't even think to figure out whether or not their guys were the ones pulling the trigger. I guess the plan was for extraction, right? Was to, like, stab him in the neck with the, uh... Yeah. That was actually... Was that... That's a good question. Was that serum meant to just put him asleep so that they could take him out? Or was that, like, made to kill him so that he looked like he died in his sleep? I'm gonna say it was just to, to neutralize him, to, to knock him out. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was lethal. Because <laughs> we never found out what happened to that soldier that he injected it into. True. Yeah, we did. They all died. They all died in that house. Oh, yeah, because the house went up. Yeah. Is it a different yeah. serum than the one he got the cop with? We, again, we don't know. Remember. Right. Because, say, because she's... Well, we know, we know that that serum... No, you're just going to be knocked out. Yeah. Right. There's also a, a slight difference in sheer dosage. There's a lot in that syringe in the yeah, beginning. Yeah, that, that for... syringe in the beginning is like... Like almost an ancient dyna- diameter too. <laughs> Whereas the one that looks like just a regular hypodermic needle, yeah. you like like when he presses the plunger to go to to release it, it, it takes, takes seconds. seconds. <laughs> I was like, this is still dripping out. It's still going in. The funny thing is, they like linger for like three seconds on him pushing it in. It gets about halfway down, and then like it cuts to a different angle, and he stops. Like we don't even know. He may not have even done. He's like, this is you really don't need any more. This could have taken out an elephant and it just stops. That guy's dead, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that guy's dead. Well, he did, certainly didn't have a problem killing any of them. The first dude, he just snaps his neck from behind. At some point, he hacked off all their fingers. Yeah. Oh, that's put him in an envelope. Yeah, he was probably dead. That guy was definitely dead. Because <laughs> he's efficient. I don't think he's ruthless and sadistic, so I'm pretty sure he killed the guy before he cut his fingers off. Zero Stalking Heroes, where we... Figure out who's dead and who's alive. Where we finger the culprit. <laughs> oh! That was, a, that was a good pun. There's some funny moments in this movie, too. Like, after when Morgan Freeman opens up the envelope full of fingers, he's like, this used to be a gentleman's game. Mm. I, I got a kick out of that. And I think the funniest moment to me was John Malkovich running with, with the, the bomb. With the bomb. <laughs> oh, my God, I love that. <laughs> they cut back like three times John Malkovich right. just yelling and running oh. but like in the moment none of those scenes made me like laugh out loud I got a kick out of them I enjoyed them I found them funny but I wasn't like rolling on the ground no it's not that kind of it's not that kind of joke I think it was just like yeah. a, reminding you that this movie is lighthearted. Mm-hmm. like uh, when I talk about Carl Urban's cute hair yeah he <laughs> <laughs> did kind of have cute hair <laughs> That was another cool scene when he gets into, like, the secret vault that nobody knows about, and the guy that's working there is like, hey, Frank, how you, Frank, how you been? How are the kids? He's a big he fan of Frank. Kids. Kids. Yeah. It would been really funny if he was like, can you sign this for me? Oh, it's just a random, like, confidential document from, like, a Signed dossier. Yeah. Frank's file is pretty cool, too. Everything's blacked out. Yeah. Yeah. And he still flipping through it, as if anything's under <laughs> the... Operation <laughs> against. They they took the time that they needed to take to make this movie without many glaring flaws. I'm not saying it's a perfect movie and isn't without its faults, but like huge glaring like 
movie problems that we tend to have here aren't there. Yeah, they wrote this movie smart. They yeah. did it smart. They played to their strengths and weaknesses that they had, yeah. and they covered up. We all know that I am the king of nitpicky gri- gripes when it comes to even movies that I like, and you do at have the end moments. of it, yeah. Oh no, I mean I'm yeah. glad to admit it. But at the end of this one, I was like, I don't have much. I don't have many things where I can look at and be like, that's a problem. Yeah. And the one thing I do, I I can talk through it in my own head. Like they were just trying to push him that way. They weren't trying to kill anybody. Yeah, it's more general things in this movie. It's like comes down to personal preference. Like, I don't like characters that are introduced late. I don't like movies shouldn't do that. I don't like getting the band back together movies. <laughs> I don't. It. I don't think that you should pull a fast one on us and make a character that seemed bad but not super bad turn out to be the mastermind. Yeah, the mastermind. Yeah, the guy that we barely see being the mastermind. I think I hate that the most more than Helen Mirren yeah. being introduced real late in the movie. Because I can live with a bad guy getting introduced late if the whole point is to try to figure out who the bad guy is. Right, but and then you're not introducing him late. You're building up to it. Yeah. It's a difference. So, you know, first thing you need to find out that all of these people have to do with the Guatemalan incident. And then you realize that this is being actually sanctioned by the government. So the CIA has their hand in it. And then you realize that, wait a minute... The only person on this list is related to the vice president, or is the vice president, or whatever, however that was related. Right. And that's fine. If the vice president ended up being the bad guy that we needed to take care of, great. I'm fine. But it wasn't the case. No. Some arm, some what seems to be middle, middle and arms dealer is the real problem. Kind of surprised this movie made as much money as it did. Because, like, I had no desire to see it in theaters when it came out. Like, I've never seen, seen the trailers for it, and... I mean, if Blockbuster was still a thing, I'd be like, oh, that's a cool one I'll rent on, like, a Friday night, but... Like you said, target audience for this movie, 40 to 70-year-old <laughs> adults, we're not them. True. And I think that it... The reason that it makes as much money as it does is because that audience generally tends to have Disposable other... Disposable income. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> also have other people that they're taking in the movie. Dad, who likes action movies, isn't sneaking off the movies by himself most of the time. You know, he might be taking his oldest son, or he might be taking the family out to the movies, and he's like, you know what? I'm paying this week. I'm deciding which fucking movie we see. Deal with it, Martha. Wow. (laughs) Don't ever repeat what Dad says. (laughs) I'll wash your mouth out with soap. Yeah, well, you know. Oh, man. Yeah, I guess you could be... It's a a movie for... uh, It's a good couples movie because, like... The dad can convince the mom to go. You know, I don't think it's the other way around. Mm-hmm. I, I get your point. And you're, you're looking. And you're looking at. And the mom's also going to enjoy this movie yes. at the end of the day. Because they and they and one of the ways that they're going to reel the mom in, star power. You you like Bruce Willis movies? You like Morgan Freeman movies? I'm sure you've seen something with Helen Mirren in it. We end this podcast with the same line every episode. Do you really think this movie is someone's favorite though? I yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure this. Yeah, it, I feel like it might. Every movie is someone's favorite movie. I know, but and like, I'm almost positive this one is at least one person's favorite movie. I want to pull a hundred people. I w- you need to pull more than that. So yeah, that's gonna be tough. But uh, I'll tell you this for sure. Depends on age range. I think if one hundred retirees, if I'm if I'm sitting if I'm sitting at my dad's kitchen table and we're talking about movies and this comes up, he would rant, and I've never even discussed this movie with him, so I'm not sure. But I'm convinced he would rant and rave about how good this movie is. My parents love these movies. Yeah. My parents love these movies, too. They see them every Saturday. Like, that was a true story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, this movie's not their favorite movie. 
It's tough because it's such a middle of the road movie where it could have been great. It isn't. No, but, but it's I don't not even know what you would do differently to make it "quote unquote" great. It's, it's exactly what it is. It's not supposed to be great. Yeah, it's, it's what it needs to be. Yes. Here's a question for the the more comic booky side of our podcast. Everybody saw which uh, two major groups that this is a property of, right? Yeah, it's DC. This is a DC movie. This is one of the better DC movies I've ever seen. I'm for sure. And it's because it doesn't feel like it, it doesn't even read like it's going to be a DC property. Would it be a top five DC movie that we've as seen? Of, as of right now? Yeah. That I've seen definitely that has been made, maybe. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman's definitely better than this. Dark Knight is better than this. Yep. Batman Begins is better than this. I think it fits in right after. Yeah, I think it might be number four, number five. You could you could make an argument that says that the third installment of uh, the Dark Knight series could be four. I think I like this better than that. But again, yeah, I, it, the potato potato, different tonals. That's like it, it's a very different tone of a movie. Yeah, Batman eighty nine. I haven't seen it long enough to be able to. I can't. I and I love I love the original Michael Keaton Batman movie. I don't think that that movie is going to be better than this. And then you got early or late. 70s, early 80s Superman movies. I've never... I've seen them, but I had not in a really long time. They probably don't hold up. They don't. You have to, like... It's got to be a sliding scale when it comes after... When we get into the 70s. DC, right? I don't know. I was thinking of that in Watchmen. Hold on. Watchmen's definitely DC. Alright, Watchmen's better than this. Oh, shit. Watchmen's better than this. I don't... I think this is better than Watchmen, but that's that's a... That's a minority opinion that I'm sure will not be shared by most other people. Yeah, V for Vendetta is DC. Wow. So is Constantine. But I love Constantine for many different See, I like this more than Constantine. I think I like Constantine more than this, but that's because I love Constantine. <laughs> um, it, you know what? Considering that V for Vendetta and The Watchmen are both DC properties, it might get dropped. It, it could So it's like number six some, for you? Somewhere between five and ten for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's no probably doubt. been... I think this movie's four or five for me. It's out I think of my, it's five. It's out of my top five, but it's damn close. Now, if 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 I was being fair and only allowed myself to pick one of the Dark Knight trilogies, you know... You look at the trilogy as, like, one story? Yeah, if, if I look at the trilogy as one arc, one That's conjunction, then it's Wonder Woman, the Dark Knight trilogy, Watchmen, Fever from Vendetta, and then this. So it's still top five. Well, where would you have Constantine? Better than this or not? Not better than this. Okay. Not far behind. Probably seven. This movie is a better movie than Constantine, like, objectively. Yeah. I just like Constantine better. Yeah. <laughs> Subjectively, you like Constantine <laughs> yes. better. Objectively. Um, we are running long. Are so we really? Probably, probably longer than I thought we would. Okay. Cool. So nice. we should probably, uh... Do we want to do favorite, do favorite least favorite? Okay. Sure. Yeah. You touched on your favorite scene. Yeah, right? the, the fight yeah. scene. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's also my favorite scene, is the office fight between Cooper and Frank. That's good, because I really enjoy the uh, the action sequence at the airport. Because even just the way it starts, when Malkovich has got his binoculars up, he's like, oh my god, that's the same helicopter, and everybody's just dismissing him. Like, come on, dude. You're at an airport. Of course you're going to see a, the same goddamn helicopter. And then he shoots um, the cop from Blade Trinity. <laughs> Whatever his name is. The most memorable part of Blade <laughs> Trinity is the cop. Because he overacted that scene like a son of a bitch. That's my prisoner! <laughs> I can't wait to watch that again. Oh my god, do you not remember this scene? No. no. Oh, it's so good. All the bad dialogue in the movie tends to blend together. <laughs> That's fair. 
Least favorite, I'll go first because I kind of just piggyback sequels for favorite because it was. The relationship dynamic between uh, Frank and, I don't even remember Mary Louise Parker's name, character's name. Don't love Sarah? it. Sarah, it's Sarah, yes. It's just weird to me. It's like this weird, was it Stockholm Syndrome when you're falling in love with your kidnapper? Well, they had kind of. They, they, they had a thing going, but like, if that happens in real life, she is some kind of crazy to stick around of her own free will. And then they have this whole, it's like, no, I think she likes you. If she if she didn't like you, she would have ran away by now. It's like she tried. She did try. Yeah, she did try. It's just weird. So that's probably my least favorite part of this movie. My least favorite scene is again a preference type deal. Frank and Sarah making out in the back of the car, and then it turns into the cover of a romance novel. Because I forgot romance novels were like a theme in this movie. Yeah, that's the thing. And then it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that, that, okay, that's where we're gonna finish up. The romance cool. novels frame the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, thought it was unnecessary. I didn't think I had to go back to it. That's fair. I didn't like, uh, I personally didn't love the safe room scene. Like, you meet the bad guy, and he hits the play button on the, the CD player, so the FBI that's watching him thinks that he's having a safe conversation, he walks in. Only because I, you, you, Easily could have accomplished that scene the way that it had started out with just Morgan Freeman walking in. Morgan Freeman... It's a soundproof room. Morgan Freeman easily could have overpowered him and gotten the information out of him. He's 80 years old and he has stage 4 liver cancer. <laughs> seems to be more than capable. Semantics. <laughs> he seems to be more than capable. Pshaw. <laughs> no, seriously. He seems to be more than capable other points in the movie, so... I'm trying to think of anything physical that Morgan Freeman does in this movie other than get shot. Well, he punches them out without really breaking a sweat at the end of that scene. Bruce Willis punches them out. New no, Morgan Freeman punches them out, saves the bullet because that's the line, that's the line he uses. Um, I Malkovich, don't much, I don't remember. Malkovich is about to shoot him, and he's like, "You can't touch me, Alba." And then Morgan Freeman okay, punches yeah. him out, yeah, okay, that's and looks point. at him, is like, "Save the bullet." Alright, so then, there was that. He fiddles around with the rabbit ears on his 1950 television set at the nursing home. He doesn't fiddle around with it at all. He starts to fiddle. <laughs> that was a ploy. It's a brilliant ploy. That was his opening. Yeah. But really, I mean, that's it's such a stupid scene to not like, but it's just... I think you could have accomplished it in a couple different ways. Because it also gives you away. It was a, such a dumb way to give you away, right? The CD skips. <laughs> that happens for no reason? Like, it's not like anyone hit... Yeah. Where the CD player was, it just decided to make it happen. And that that one time, like, he's not never had that issue before. Because it's clearly a setup. He clearly does this often, where right. he hits the play button, walks in. At no point, at any time, has anybody been like, Hey, Chief, um, the CD skit. Maybe we should reburn it and just have a, a new copy. Dick Cheney's CD sounds good. You're right. <laughs> at no point anyone's ever been like, This guy has the same exact conversation with everyone he meets, and they never talk. Yeah. <laughs> no Maybe one else ever gets a word in Edwise. Maybe has several of them. I don't know. I hope so. I hope they're all different, like, motivational speeches. <laughs> I hope it was a cassette tape. And he has to flip it to side B. <laughs> Halfway through. <laughs> if you're listening and still fooled, please flip the tape over to side B. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so we should probably rate this. Sure. Yeah. Thinking. If you've never tuned in before, what we do for each movie that we review is we also give it a rating using a number of Infinity Stones from 1 to 6. As you might be able to guess, and if you've listened before, you've heard it before, 1 is the lowest score, 6 is the highest score. If you give a movie 6 stones, you can also give it a gauntlet, which is the highest possible honors. And 
Let's rate Red now. We've got a sequel first. I'm right in the middle with this movie. It's, um, you know, not great, not bad. I give it three stones. I'm flipping through when it's on. Not a good part that I like. I'll keep it on. If John Malkovich is on screen, <laughs> stay in for him. Staying for five minutes, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I don't have major problems with this movie. It's just, um, you know, it's it's pretty generic. Corey, what about you? I'm definitely with sequel. Uh, I think it's a middle-of-the-road movie. It's entertaining. Uh, no points did I dislike it. But I'm actually going to give it an extra stone. Every time I think a movie is the middle-of-the-road, so it's between three or four. Three, I think, are not great movies that are that I think are okay. And four are good movies that I just don't think are great. So this gets four stones. A solid four stone. I agree with that synopsis for ratings. I also think that four stones is a movie that's good, but not in great category. That being said, I'm going to give this movie four stones. I think it's on the upper part of a four stone movie, because it's, it's really entertaining. At no point during this movie am I bored. There are times when I laugh, or more accurately chuckle to myself. My girlfriend who watched it with me loved this movie. She's like, can we watch the second one next time I come over? And I'm like, sure. But it's a good time. I think everyone is casted well, and they do a good job with what they're given to work with. And John Malkovich is great. The sequel doesn't hold up, right? I don't know. The Have sequel's the sequel's pretty good. Okay. So the sequel? I saw the sequel before I saw this movie. My parent, I came went over to my parents' house when they were like, you want to watch this movie with us? It's Red 2. And I was like, sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> haven't seen the first one. Does it matter? So no, I would have a problem good. with that. I was like, Mom, I've never saw Red 1. Normally I do, but I'm not going to... I don't think I was worried about the backstory of the movie Red to worry about it. I'm like, they're retired and they still kick ass. Is Mary Louise Parker in Red, too? Yes. Okay. She has a bigger role, actually. Hmm. That's cool to keep the love interest. It's the same cast, minus Morgan Freeman. I would have had a problem with Red. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that that would have been a major problem. The cheap in his death. (laughs) How dare you? That is the former best supporting actor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> rehashing all the debates we don't have time to get into that nope so that's how you guys do it you have like four is like your B I have three is an okay movie I have one is a real bad movie two is a forgettable not good movie three is fine four is good five is great and six is excellent I do zero to one is my F one to two is my D three is my C four is my B five is my A and six is my A plus What's six in a gauntlet, then? Hmm? Because six is like A for me, so what is... Six in a gauntlet would be... Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, I mean... It, it, and Iron Man. It defies the scale. <laughs> <laughs> so mine is... One is a trash movie I really didn't like. Two is a bad movie. Three and four are good movies, and whether or not I think I like them or dislike them is really just the difference. If it's a good movie, but I just didn't like it, it gets a three... If it's a good movie and I did like it, it gets the four. Five is great movies. Six are fantastic movies. And if it gets the gauntlet, it means I probably would suck the movie's dick. Wow. Wow. So thank you so much for joining us for our review of the movie Red. Next time, we're going to be tackling Ghost Rider, Nick Cage at his finest, I guess. Not his finest. (laughs) Can't wait. And until next time, as always... Oh, wait, shit. Didn't do any social media. Forgot to write it down, that's why. If you'd like to let us know what your favorite Bruce Willis movie is, or anything about Red, or really anything else, you can send that in email form to zthpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and let us know at zthpodcast. 
if this is your mom or dad's favorite movie, take a picture of them and send it to us on Instagram at ZTH Podcast. You can find us at facebook.com backslash ZTH Podcast or search in Facebook Zeros Talking Heroes, Zeros and Heroes and an ES. Nailed it. And also check us out on iTunes where you can give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying the show. That would be awesome if you did that. And if you left a review with that rating, we'll read it on the air. Love doing those. And if that's too much work for you, just tell people about the podcast. Zero's Talking Heroes. We need new listeners. We do. We love them. (laughs) We do. And as always, remember that every movie is someone's favorite movie. And good night.